grateful for Gary and everybody in the tech teams uh, who make everything happen at our three campuses. So grateful for them. It's really good to be with you. I love coming out to Port Clinton. Our son and uh, his family, they attend this campus, and uh, her parents, his wife's parents attend this campus, and uh, we love coming out here. Next hour, my wife will be here too. Uh, great area to live in, so glad to worship with you. Um, and I want to just reiterate what Gary said a moment ago. The short-term mission, I'm excited about all that what he shared, but the short-term mission to Ecuador, we, we really want to expose our church to God's heart for the world. When our teams go, that they would get a, just a sense of God's um, passion for those who are still without him. And, uh, and the need for clean water is apparent around the world, but also the need for the living water, who is Christ. And so that's what they'll get to do. So I'm excited about that. Talk to me, too, afterward if you'd like to know more about it. All right? Hey, I want to share with you, as we get started, something that happened to me a couple weeks ago. I went to my 50th high school class reunion. And I know when you look at that picture and you look at me now, you're probably wondering, how old is he? I graduated from high school when I was 10 years old, which is amazing. And back then, I wore a wig, which uh, you can probably tell. Uh, it, it, it was really unique. Being there's, a, there's just some of our class members. We showed up at the Huron Yacht Club. I'm a Huron Tiger. And uh, we showed up at the Huron Yacht Club. And it was amazing being with all of my old friends. Old is the word. Uh, they, has this ever happened to you? They, I looked at them and I thought, they are all older. They all look older. I'm in the upper right-hand corner. You can tell I'm like the kid in the group, you know? And some of them clearly uh, have had some eye problems because uh, some of them could not recognize me. I don't, I don't know what happened. Anyway, you know, it's funny. When I, when I look at this picture, uh, I can uh, see some tremendous athletes I played ball with. I'm actually, oh, I'm actually in, the, in the Huron Athletic Hall of Fame twice. I was on two Hall of Fame teams and both went to, uh, undefeated two years in a row, basketball and football. I was a terrible player, but I rode the coattails of these fabulous athletes, some are who in the picture, right into the Hall of Fame. That's the way to do it, I found out. And, um, but I remember thinking way back then, wow, I wish I could jump as high as he jumps. I wish I could shoot like he shoots. I wish I could tackle like he tackles. I wish I could run the ball like he runs the ball. Oh my goodness, I wish I could be more like him. And then I look at this picture and I see, I see some of the cool people in the, in, the, in the... Do you have cool people in your... I don't do, use the word keen back then. I can't remember now. But, uh, you know, some of the cool people, they drove the cool cars and they wore the cool clothes and they dated the cool girls and all of that. They were the cool people, right? Do you ever have those feelings back in high school, right? Yeah, I bet you could tell some stories of what it was like for you when you were in school. And it's interesting how you get, when you get older, you can sort of tend to take those, those longings right into your older years and they intensify, Right? And so now it's more like so-and-so, man, they have the job, the car, the boat, the house, I wish I had, right? Man, so-and-so, they have the, the skills and the abilities and the giftings I wish I had. 
Or, or so-and-so has the, uh, the, the family, the spouse, the kids I wish I had. Or so-and-so has the looks and the body I wish I had. So-and-so has the hair I wish I had. Just getting personal. So-and-so has the life, the life I wish I had. Some of that cannot grow, go away. We are in what is called the wisdom literature in Scripture. I don't know if you've been here the last few weeks. Sometimes we have to miss. But the wisdom literature, there are five books in the Old Testament. In order, in your English Bible, there's the book of Job, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, then the book of Ecclesiastes, and then the, book of, the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. And so up until the Advent season, we're looking at some of the wisdom literature. Eventually, we'll get to one weekend where we look at Job, one weekend where we look at Ecclesiastes. But we're spending seven weekends looking at the book of Proverbs. Specifically, we're looking at what are called the seven deadly sins. They're not called that in Scripture. But the early church, early on, identified seven sins, seven vices that were especially problematic, that were especially dishonoring to God, especially harmful to self especially harmful to others, especially harmful to the community in which you find yourself, whether that's marriage or your neighborhood or your workplace. And these are the seven that we're looking at, mentioned throughout Proverbs and throughout Scripture. And we started off with pride. That's like the root of all of them. Last week, we looked at anger. We should have put that one in uppercase letters because that's what you do when you write an email. I'm angry, right? But today, we're looking at Envy, <laughs> and next week, gluttony, and then sloth. I don't know if I'll make it here then or not. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I can crawl out of bed. <laughs> I, watched a, I watched a 60 minute special on sloths the other night. Have you seen that? It was an amazing picture of a sloth with like a Beatles haircut and a Mona Lisa smile. And, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about sloth, greed, and then lust, all right? So let's talk about envy. And this is what the book of Proverbs says as we get into this wonderful 31-chapter book of the Old Testament. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Now two words jump out at me here, peace and envy. Use the word contentment for peace. Don't you want contentment, peace in your life? Peace gives life to your body. And when he says body, this is Solomon, the author, when Solomon says body, he means that holistically. He means physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You have peace, contentment. But envy, it rots the bones. Now remember, Proverbs is written as poetry. And so here the author is using a thing called parallelism. And so bones is the same thing as body. Envy will rot your body. It will rot you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. That's what envy does. It can rot. Some versions of the Bible say that envy actually is like, or jealousy, they're similar, is like cancer in the bones. The book of Proverbs, maybe you know this, is all about two paths in life, right? There's the path of wisdom. And there is the path of folly. There's the path the wise take, 
there is the path that the fool takes. And the path of the wise understands how to have peace in life. Contentment. The path of the fool. Well, envy rots his bones. So, two paths. Now, this is a definition for envy. Wanting what someone else has, wanting someone else's life. I mean, instead of, instead of being glad for somebody, what they have, who they are, what they can do, where they can go, instead of that, I spend my energy wishing I could be them, wishing I could have what they have, wishing I could go where they go, wishing I could do what they do. That's envy. But Proverbs says, watch out. You follow that path, and your bones, your body, who you are, will begin to rot like cancer in the bones. With envy, you never have enough. With envy, we can never be enough. With envy, we give more attention to others than we do to God. With envy, we, envy, we give more attention to ourselves than we do to others. With envy, we end up missing out on the very thing God wants for you and me, which is a heart at peace that will give life to the body. Isn't that what you want? Absolutely. Tim Keller, uh, he authored a book. We showed it a few weeks ago. I wish everyone in here would read it. My wife and I read it almost every morning together for the last three years. It's a daily devotional out of the book of Proverbs. And in his daily devotional, Tim Keller defines or helps us to understand the, the full measure and danger of this thing called envy. This is what he says. In envy, we don't just want other people's lives. We resent and begrudge them their lives. In praise, you recognize people who are better than you, and you rejoice in it. But in envy, you recognize people that are better off, and you burn with bitterness. Does that resonate with you at all? Have you been there? Are you there now? In short, let's just put it this way. Envy entangles. Envy entwines. Envy encompasses you. Envy encircles you. Envy encumbers you. Envy is dangerous. God wants us to have peace so we can have life in our bodies, contentment. But our temptation is envy, which rots the bones. So how can we avoid envy in our lives? I want to introduce three ideas, right? And the first one is simply this. We need to look inward. Now, some, some, some uh, uh, French novelist brilliantly said these words. He said, envy is the most stupid of vices, for there is no single advantage to be gained from it. Isn't that great? It's the most stupid of vices. What does he mean? You think of all the other vices and sins in the world, the things you enjoy that you shouldn't, right? All of them, almost all of them, at least the ones I can think of, offer some type of initial, instant gratification, right? That would lead you then to, at least in the short term, pursue it. 
But envy, it's just misery from the start. It's just misery from the start to the end. It's misery that leads to bitterness and to resentment. There is no gratification. There is no return at all from envy. It just entangles, and it never really satisfies. That's envy. Now, how do you know that you've got envy? I think there's, there are several, several indicators. There are a lot of indicators that envy is going on in life. As we look inward, there are a number of indicators. One is this whole idea of comparison. Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Let me show you how that works in my own life. I've got this thing called Facebook. You ever been on Facebook? Social media, right? And on there, I, I can find out anytime I want what's going on with my 1,624 best friends. I'm so close to them. And they, and they share the, the, the highlight reels, as they say, of their lives. And I have a couple of friends on there now who have just finished a year traveling the world. I love to travel. I love other cultures. They've gone all around the world. They've gone to all these cool places in the United States, all these places I would love to go. <laughs> but I can't because I don't have time. I don't have the money to do all of that. It's not their problem. They just posted it, all 550 pictures. <laughs> it's not... It's my problem. I can feel my envy meter begin to increase. For you, maybe it's not that, but maybe it's the picture of the perfect family, or it's the picture of the perfect home, or here we are in Lake Erie, the, perfect of the, the picture of the perfect boat, or, or whatever it may be. Envy is it's more than just an unharnessed emotion. Envy is something that dishonors God and it harms self, and it can harm others. Now, related to the idea of comparison is a word I came across some years ago. It's a German word. Maybe you know it. It's a German word, but it's in our English dictionary, and this is the word. It's called schadenfreude. Do you know this term? What does it mean? It means enjoyment obtained from the troubles of others. <laughs> Now, that's a terrible, terrible thing, isn't it? But maybe it doesn't sound too unfamiliar. You know, that person who has everything and does everything right and is skilled at everything and all, all the stuff you want to be and have and go and do and they've got, and then something happens, disaster strikes, a trouble of some type, and all of a sudden you feel what? Schadenfreude. It's a terrible thing to feel, but all too familiar to us. It's a twisted, it's a twisted enjoyment as somebody else goes through trouble. That's a sign that points to envy. A sign of envy is when we find ourselves weeping when the one we envy is rejoicing. Or when we find ourselves rejoicing when the one we envy is weeping. Completely the opposite of what the Apostle Paul tells us 
what love should look like. He says, we should be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. But if you're traveling down the path of envy, that's very difficult. I think a sign of envy, an indicator of envy as we are looking within, is the inability to be grateful. God, thank you for who you made me to be. You don't make mistakes. God, thank you for all of the good things you have given me. Scripture says that all good things come from God. Thank you, God, for what you've given me. I may not have what they have, can't do what they can do, but thank you. Gratitude. So maybe in your own heart it's comparison, or it's schadenfreude, or it's weeping when you shouldn't, or laughing when you shouldn't, or maybe it's not just being grateful. Maybe we need to pause for a moment just with a word of confession, and say, God, forgive me, please help. Here's a great prayer found in Keller's book. It goes like this, and I'll read it out loud while you pray it silently if if it applies to you. Lord, I confess I envy other people's bodies, bank accounts, relationships, and many other things. I keep this envy a secret even from myself because it is so embarrassing, but it robs me of joy and your rightful glory. Help me root it out of my heart. Amen. We look inward. Let's also look upward. This is also what Proverbs says. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Now, there's a couple, there's a lot of, a lot of things I want to talk about in those two verses. Let's leave that up there just for a few moments. For example, like the word sinners, that's a very heavy, harsh word let me explain. There are, there are people who don't care about what God thinks. They don't think very often about God. God's ways do not direct their lives. Um, and maybe that's you, or maybe you know someone like that. We are not to envy them. I was reading just the other day Psalm 73, the writer of Psalm 73 is a guy by the name of Asaph. And, and the theme of Psalm 73 is fascinating. You know what the theme is? It's why would God let good things happen to bad people? It's like the reverse of what we typically ask. Why does, why does God let bad things happen to good people? In this psalm, it's like, why does God let good things happen to bad people? And it's bothering Asaph. And at the very beginning, he says, I'm losing my footing I'm losing my footing when I envy the arrogant. Who are the arrogant? Those who are not interested in God. Those are the sinners. When I envy sinners, I lose my footing. Now, how do you regain your footing? What is the answer to that? Solomon in his proverb goes on, he goes, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? I mean, the fear of the Lord, that's another strange phrase that we find in Scripture. But we need to be familiar with it because the book of Proverbs begins with the fear of the Lord, it ends with the fear of the Lord, and it's scattered throughout the book of Proverbs. So what does it mean? My favorite definition for the fear of the Lord is simply this, taking God and his word seriously. And... The author of Proverbs tells us that when we are zealous for the fear of the Lord, when we are zealous for taking God and his word seriously, we will have this sense of hope, a future hope. We are confident. 
We are certain of what we have. Are you confident? Are you certain? It comes through a zealous fear of the Lord. Let me tell you how the end of Psalm 73 ends, by the way. Let me get back to that. Asaph begins with, I'm losing my footing as I, as I, as I envy the arrogant. But he ends the psalm with, I regain my footing as I set my eyes on God once again, who is my hope. Here, here's a good question for us. What hope do I have that goes beyond the present? In the present, I can so easily envy others. Isn't there something beyond? Just two weeks ago, I performed another funeral. I mean, I've, I've performed so many funerals over the years. This one, I can tell you, was a delight. And most pastors you talk with, They'll say they'd rather do a funeral than a wedding. I know that sounds odd, but at a funeral, you get to talk about the important things of life. And at this funeral service, I was able to talk about this woman's hope in God. I didn't know her beforehand, but she died way too early, way too early. The family was understandably grieving. They sensed loss, and yet there was like this, this hope that they had that was that's not sometimes found in other funeral services where there's just absolute um, despair, not knowing what happens after the grave. This family was confident. I went to visit her a number of times in hospice, and I picked up her Bible to read it to her. She asked me to. And as I opened her Bible, underlined everywhere, notes in the margins, and I went to read Psalm 23. Do you know how that begins? The Lord is my shepherd. Not the, Lord, not the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. It's the Lord is my shepherd, a personal prayer. And she has notes next to that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not envy anybody. He gives me contentment. He leads me beside quiet waters into, into, into green hills. He provides for me. And how does Psalm 23 end? There I am now in the presence of God himself. And how do I get there? I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me and he takes me through. What hope do we have? The answer to that question, that answer to the question, gives us the peace that we want for our lives. It keeps me from the envy that will rot my bones. The hope that we have belongs to God's family. It belongs to those who are in Christ. I want to remind us what, what Jesus said. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, contentment in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, be confident, because I have overcome the world. If you come into my office... I have a bookshelf in back of me, and back to the left, right here, there's a book that I read many years ago called Living for What Really Matters. And the subtitle is Long-Term Values in a Short-Term World. Isn't that great? It challenged my life. I think that book and some others like it, along with Scripture, have helped me to understand I don't want to get entangled by envy. I don't want to get tripped up by envy. 
I don't want to get spun around by envy. I, don't, I want to remember who my hope is. And it's God. And it's through Christ that I have that hope. Every, every weekend when you walk into this room, I, I hope you'll hear at some point that we celebrate Jesus Christ who came as God in person to, to live the perfect life that you and I could never live. And then to, to die on the cross and to take our sin, your sin, my sin, onto himself, paying the penalty, dying our death, and then rising again from the dead, proving he is the Lord. And it's through Jesus alone we have this hope. In Christ alone I am forgiven. In Christ alone I find freedom. In Christ alone I can be freed from the entanglement of envy. That's what Jesus offers us. If there is anybody who should be envious in life, it should be the arrogant. It should be those who are, who are disinterested in God, but they look and see how the way we live our lives, we don't live our lives marked by envying others, but with a zealousness for the fear of the Lord, confident of our future hope. So, so we, we look inward, and we're honest with ourselves. We look upward, and then we look outward. Maybe you've been to a wedding recently, and you heard the pastor give a little homily, and you heard some songs, and you heard the vows. And if scripture was read, more than likely you heard this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not envy. And Paul's not writing this to a husband and wife necessarily, although it applies as to any community, as to any business, as to any family. Love does not envy. It is dishonoring to God. It is harmful to self and is harmful to that community. If love does not envy, then what does love do? We know what love does because we've seen it in action in the person of Jesus. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. I need to do this quickly, but let me just remind us what Jesus did. What, does it, what did his love look like? He served. What an antidote. What an antidote for envy. Finding somebody to serve, to, to bend down and to, to wash their feet just as Jesus did. That's how he lifted people up. He stooped down and washed their feet. Let me give you a challenge. Is there someone this week you could serve? Someone maybe even who you envy. What is a way you could serve them in the name of Christ? It's an antidote for envy. Jesus generously gave. I once heard someone say, you are never more like God than when you are being generous. <laughs> you want to be like God to somebody this week? Find a way to give. How do we give? Three ways. It's with our time. It's with our talent. And it's with our treasure. At no time will you be more like God to somebody or like God than when you give. Here's the challenge. Who could you give to this week? Time, talent, treasure. Maybe it's that very person that you envy or that you're jealous of. And the last one is simply this. Jesus showed compassion. 
Over and over, we read that Jesus, down in his gut, felt compassion for people. His, his, one of his most famous parables was, is the story of the Good Samaritan, who out of compassion, out of pity, got off of his donkey, stooped down, and helped lift up the person in need. Compassion is love in action. Who this week could you show love to? Could you show compassion to? Be like Christ to them. Maybe it's that person that you envy. So we look inward, we look upward, we look outward. All of this together, hopefully, will keep us from rotted bones. But give us a heart that's at peace, that gives us life. Let's pray together. Could we please?